Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. You were like, yeah, I think that some of what they have to go through is that Logan is accused of murder twice. (laughs) And I died because I was like, yeah, that's not ideal. Like, it's not really what I'm looking for on Bumble. everyone welcome back to talking ship brought to you by the believe podcast network i'm katie butterwitz this show is part tv review tv fandom and half relationship review relationship fandom we look at the relationships from tv that made us feel things and we use those fictional couples to frame the very non-fictional relationship themes that come up in our lives this week, I am taking the helm, partially in honor of Talking Ship's one-year anniversary, which is very exciting, and to celebrate Megan's monumental achievement with that, and partially because this is Megan's gift to me, as this week we are talking about my all-time favorite couple, a couple that made us realize that no one writes songs about the relationships that come easy. That's right, we are talking about everyone's favorite super sleuth, Veronica Mars, and her brooding son of movie stars, on-again, off-again boyfriend, Logan Eccles. Of course, here with me is our amazing host, Megan Fitzgerald. Megan, how's it going? Oh, it's so good. Katie, I'm just, to use an internet term that was popular around the time that we were writing TV fan fiction, (laughs) um, I'm... I'm squeeing over uh. over hearing you do this. I also can't believe I made you wait a literal year to talk about them. It's it speaks to my patience, if nothing else. But who who has patience like a Veronica Mars fan who waited seven years for a movie and any kind you know. of closure? <laughs> it's me. I'll wait Ab- till the end of days. <laughs> absolutely fair. And maybe we'll come back in nine years and uh, you know talk about the reboot with the next generation. Of, I would um, be massively curious to see what I have to say in nine years. <laughs> That's hilarious. I. Just, I'm so excited. I, I don't think there are s- truly many other people walking this earth that are better equipped to host this particular episode than you, Katie Butterwitz. You <laughs> speak just in our normal lives, like normal lives. And I mean, even like drunk on rosé, you speak about this show eloquently mm-hmm. and thoughtfully. Oh. <laughs> so listeners, you are in the most capable hands. I am fully signing off. There is truly no one else that could have done it. <laughs> um, and just to like give an example of the way that Veronica Mars is like embedded into Katie as a, as a human, I... <laughs> What I was watching a lot this week and heard the theme song, I will never not think of the push-up section of your core power yoga <laughs> class when you had that on your playlist. It was literally on her yoga class playlist. And I was like, this is Katie. Between the theme song always coming off of a sassy retort and the memory <laughs> of the endorphin rush from your yoga class, I've been hyped all week. I've been hyped all week to talk oh, about this. I'm shit. so ready. Good. I'm so <laughs> glad. I mean, it's hasn't been a TikTok trend, and I think I should start it because I've seen a trend that was, what's your favorite use of the title of a TV show in that TV mm. show? But this was such a good example of what's your favorite use of the theme song lyrics? Because literally one of the like enders teasers that goes yes. into the theme song, she was like, what did you know this girl? 
We used to be friends, be friends. A, long a long time ago. And I like rolled my eyes so hard, but also like into my heart, if that's possible. Mm-hmm. Like it was so good and so on the nose at the same time. Also funny that they're already referencing themselves in season one. I know. <laughs> well, honestly, it's actually very Gilmore Girls of them, too, I think, because it's it's like half of the dialogue on the show is like references and quips and stuff. It's just very yeah. witty. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't put it past them. And I'm glad I didn't because they did it. All right. So let's get into our couple, though. I feel like it's going to be it's going to take everything in me not to take every tangent onto every road of every person who's ever been on the show and solve every mystery. Mm -hmm. So as much as we can, I'll try to stick to our through line of Logan and Veronica, by the way, whose literal relationship name is love. If you put it together, it's L-O-V-E. You can't make this shit up. No, it's also the only I hate like despite the literal podcast title of this podcast i hate ship names generally i think they're so cringy (laughs) this is like one of the only ones i stand by i mean you just can't make this shit up like it it's the word love it's too good so before we dive fully into their relationship and start grappling with the question of whether or not a little bit of lives ruined and bloodshed is such a bad thing which Mm -hmm. it probably is but we'll figure it out (laughs) i want to talk a little bit about my relationship to the show like you were saying and why i love it and then i want to hear from megan you about your experience with veronica mars so i haven't confirmed this i've not taken a formal poll but i think that i'm possibly in the the top 1% of Veronica Mars fans. I first watched the show when I was, I think, 13. I was, to, for, to just to age myself, I was homesick, I think with like strep throat or something. And I found a clip on YouTube and I was like, mm-hmm. what is this? And I was like, that looks really cool. My mom drove me to Suncoast Video, which was like a DVD store. And I bought the DVD box sets of season one and two. Because they were the only ones that were out yet. It, season three was airing at the time. And I binge watched them before that was a thing on DVD in like a week. And then I caught up to season three in real time. And, and I watched that one like halfway while it was airing. So I so deeply credit it with a lot of the woman that I am today. Like you were saying, it's just like yeah. in my mannerisms and the way I speak. Because, But I think in a good way, because I think it's really special when you're in that young, formative age to have a role model like Veronica. Uh, she's not necessarily your typical lead of a TV series. And I mean, of course, Kristen Bell is gorgeous. Like, I would be deluded not to say that. But what the show led with was not that. It was that Veronica is sassy and smart as hell. You know, she's loyal and she's ultimately fiercely loving. And she genuinely does not give two shits what people think of her. And I remember thinking, like, that... That is the kind of woman I want to be. And even the ways in which she does use her femininity and people's expectations of her to always be one step ahead and always be the smartest person in the room. I was like, this girl is so cool. I was completely hooked. And, you know, of course, the show was canceled in 2007 after the third season. So right right when I got on board, they were like, never mind. And it was right about when I was starting high school. That was like I – we graduated eighth grade in 2007, so I was about to go to high school. So I think, again, it stayed with me during this very, like, liminal stage in my life. So as I went into my adolescence, I rewatched it, God, I mean, who knows how many times. Every time, learning something new and gaining more courage to be who I wanted to be. Uh, and then, of course, I'll never forget, Megan is part of the story. I was in college when they announced the Kickstarter campaign for the movie. And let me tell you, I was shook. I thought it was a closed chapter. You know, I thought mm-hmm. it was just this precious thing that happened in my youth, and I was thankful for it, and that was it. So the idea that having grown up and really become an adult woman at this point, there could be more somehow of of something 
that was so special to me and that there were that many people out there who loved it just as much as I did completely floored me. So, of course, I walked out of Stage Combat, which is a class that Megan and I were in together, and I donated <laughs> immediately, and I earned my stickers and my shirts. And then I went to see the movie in theaters with my mom, and I, I don't want to necessarily, like, reveal myself as the biggest nerd of the world, but three seconds in, I was bawling. Like, if you've seen the movie, uh, it starts with a montage of, like, clips and audio from the show. And to be – I'm going to, like, cry now thinking about it. It was so – just to be watching that – on like a big AMC theaters movie screen. Right. Um, I mean, years, almost a decade after I had started watching the show. You know what I mean? I remember sitting there thinking, if I can be sitting here in a movie theater at 20 years old watching new content from this gorgeous series that I thought was a done deal when I was 14, literally anything is possible. Yeah. Not to inter- like interrupt you, but to quote Please. you to you, because you said <laughs> this about the Gilmore Girls reboot. If mm-hmm. that's not an everyday miracle, like I don't know what is. And it I is. Think that's the power of fandom in this show is I really, I- truly think it's an everyday miracle that this show came back. You're right. You're. I'm so glad you said that. And that's why I have that belief is I truly was bawling. It just felt like the world was infinite at that moment. I was like, if I can be sitting here seven years later with new content from this thing that I adore and hold so close to my heart, dreams can come true. Anything is possible. You know, I just thought somewhere out there, someone loves me so much that I'm lucky enough to be able to revisit Veronica at 20 and see what she's up to as I am becoming an adult and going out into the world. So for a long time, I would just share the experience of Veronica Mars with my friends like Megan Mm -hmm. via the literal DVD box sets that I still had. And I would give this speech in between season three and the movie so that everyone would understand. See, now you know that I did make you watch it so that everyone would understand some of the stakes behind what this meant to me. I would be like, okay. So then seven years pass, you become an adult woman, you watch this YouTube video, like, it was too much. So then, of course, uh, to briefly sum this up, season four came out recently, and that was a similarly epic experience for me, no pun intended, and I actually have a lot of feelings about the new season that we can get on a little bit later. I'm not sure I could ever think that I described her relationship to the show well enough, because I'm such an OG marshmallow, so I hope that did the trick enough and kind of got the point across. So now, Megan, please, that's enough of me. Thank you. Yeah. I hope you all now are feel secure in capable hands. I do wish, you know how in the Spotify end of year wrap up, they can be like, you're in the top 0.01% of <laughs> yeah. fans or whatever. I really wish that we could do that. Just like take stock of our entire lives and, and know that you're in the top 1% of Veronica Mars fans. But I don't think we, we need that data. I think I yeah. know it qualitatively. We can just um, settle in that knowledge. Yeah. Also, <laughs> just binging a TV show from a DVD box set. Like, <sighs> Gen Z will never know. Gen no. Z will never know what that took. You had to go drive down to Blockbuster or wherever you went, um, mm-hmm. shop local for... The new box set, like, if you lost a DVD, it was a whole thing. You skipped four episodes. Yeah. Um, They'll never know. They'll never know. They'll never know the feeling of, like, running to the bathroom and getting your snacks while the music of the, like, landing page plays. The chapters of the episode. Oh, I could tell you the landing page music of the Alias box set for sure. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Oh, yeah. Which leads nicely because I love so much of what you said. And I will say, I think every smart 
witty, intelligent, brave woman I know that I now surround myself with, who is my peer, had a transformative TV show female role model that they first discovered between the ages of 12 and 15. Mm -hmm. I think this is a huge part of our becomings. And Veronica is such a good person to have as that role model. And the watching Veronica Mars for me was, of course, something I did in college with you. And I think it was a rite of passage in our friendship. And Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people have that show for them that is like a rite of passage in a relationship. Like you don't really know me until you've watched this series. Don't you think your eventual husband will have to watch all of Veronica Mars? Oh, 100%. Actually, just a couple weeks ago, our friend texted me a picture of uh, Logan and Veronica in the episode where they have the like 80s dance at the high school mm-hmm. and there's this like mm-hmm. really sort of famous behind the scenes picture of them and she's dressed as Madonna from uh like the desperately seeking Susan era and he's dressed as um Tom Cruise in Risky Business and our friend said you will know you found the one when you guys dress up as this for Halloween oh, and it well, won't be and it won't be Madonna and Tom it'll be uh, Logan and Veronica as Madonna as and Tom Madonna and I was like yes. that is a new bucket list item like we gotta check it off that's gonna be my man I also just the fact that this show was cancelled after three seasons thinking about it now re- I rewatched the pilot even though there isn't a ton of Veronica Logan content in the pilot just to kind of get reacclimated to the show um, it is wild to me that this show was replaced by a show we we I mean we don't talk about it because of the pain it caused um mm-hmm. among these circles but I we're just <laughs> not talking about Jericho anymore which no. got saved instead of Veronica Mars and I just think that if this show if the pilot of Veronica Mars was to drop on Netflix tomorrow people would lose their goddamn minds obsessed with this show i think about our obsession with bridgerton and normal people and emily and goddamn paris again we do not speak (laughs) of it and big little lies and the undoing and how all culturally as an entire culture we were immediately hooked on these shows and i compare those pilots to veronica mars's pilot which is such a beautifully crafted pilot it gives us so much we immediately have a likable strong strong female Mm -hmm. heroine who has a save the cat moment in the first 10 minutes when she cuts Wallace down off the flagpole. We have a murder mystery introduced. So we're immediately in for an entire season. And there are several other big questions raised. Like why did Duncan break up with her? And who are all of these kind of weird characters, adults being introduced, the romance is introduced. Like arguably the love triangles introduced, like arguably Mm -hmm. the Logan tension is introduced in the first episode. We have class tension. We have family drama all in the first episode and the dramatic stirring voiceover that we've all come to know and love in a like (laughs) modern streaming phenomenon. They say you can't have it all. She has it all. These other pilots simply are not doing what the Veronica Mars pilot does. It's just unjust. Mm -hmm. To quote Veronica herself, she's comparing like, oh, do I follow this person or do I do blah, blah, blah. And she says, hell, give me a stick of gum to chew and I'll do all three at once. Mm-hmm. So to quote the woman herself, and yeah. I think you're spot on. It's just it's such a lovely like cinematic pilot. Again, almost like Alias. It really makes me think of that quite a bit. I would be remiss if I didn't briefly mention my deep passion for the director's cut of the pilot yeah. versus the one that aired on TV. For the listeners, if you don't know, the version that you are able to watch today on Hulu is the one that aired on UPN originally. 
Um, not the one that you would see on the DVD version, which is Rob Thomas's version. Uh, the director's cut starts with Veronica on a stakeout, uh, casing a motel and being surrounded by bikers. And then it goes like 12 hours earlier and you see high school and you back up and you learn some stuff. The one you see on Hulu and on TV is it starts at the high school and then just moves forward in sort of a linear way. It still tells the same story, but... What I like about it, and I have other feelings about this later on, is that that was Rob Thomas's vision that this is a noir. The network was like, no, this is a high school show. We have to start with the high school. And he was like, this isn't a high school show. This is Philip Marlowe with blonde hair in high school. Like, this is not what – this is Sam Spade with a pixie cut. Like, it's just different. And so I think – that spoke to the tone of the show and where it was going to go and how different people would receive it. But I would just be remiss if I didn't throw that in there. So if you and cut I, that, that's fine. No, <laughs> I actually I love it. And I think it's really good for the fans to know. And I just think it speaks to it sets us up to speak about the show because I think Rob Thomas took his characters, her specifically, a teenage girl, very seriously and gave her so much dignity and strength. And I think that that was really um, transformative for for a lot. I'm of actually, watchers. I'm so glad you said that because culturally there is just this phenomenon of discrediting teenage girls and the things that teenage girls like, mm-hmm. and I think that's something that was so cool about Veronica is like at the same time as as she was this very serious and very taken seriously female detective she also was a girl in high school and she Mm -hmm. would make jokes about like josh hartnett and she had a juicy tracksuit and i think those things are important that like you can be tough and girly and you can be smart and romantic like you can be all these things right and she had crushes on boys and could be super strong until a guy was introduced and then we do see the marshmallow side of her i know there it is. Uh, in my dreams, someday we'll do an episode about all of her other boyfriends, and I'll get to talk about, like, evil Troy and, like, Leo, my boy. Leo. Oh. I know. We should do one day do a segment where we, like, tie actors from all the shows we've talked about on this podcast, because I think we can connect I love it. them all. I think we could do it's it. Gonna be called, it's going to be called, are you ready? Six Degrees of Melora Hardin. <laughs> <laughs> She might be the linchpin. She might be. She might be. She might be the linny pin. Okay, anyway. Um, That was too much. Okay, so now, bringing us home into a segment that we all know and love, it's time we get into some relatable content. Ba-da-boo. I liked it. It was kind of zesty. I never got to do the (laughs) ba-da-boo. I liked it. I tried to sing it like you would, so I think we did a nice little role. It was a classic Betty and Veronica role reversal, if you will. All right. While we may not all be a feisty teenage private eye or the son of uh, problematic movie stars, there are certainly many other ways in which we can see ourselves in Logan and Veronica and learn from their history, their banter, and their relationship ups and downs. We're going to dive into them with our relatable content. So you may be in a Logan and Veronica situation if you're not sure what's hotter, the fights or the makeouts. Mm, bathroom makeouts, a bucket list Ooh. of mine. Uh, you may be in a Logan and Veronica situation if you at some point in your history with this person hated them. Oh, we love a classic enemies to lovers trope. Mm -hmm. You may be in a Logan and Veronica situation if banter is your love language. Oh, yeah. Banter gets me horny. And speaking of horny, you may be in a Logan and Veronica situation if you get horny for someone being protective of you. 
Uh, you may be in a Logan and Veronica situation if you just can't seem to quit them regardless of how hard it is. Mm-hmm. And you may be in a Logan and Veronica situation if the relationship doesn't feel like it will ever, ever be, quote, normal or easy. It's always a little bit shrouded in the drums. Mm-hmm. You may be in a Logan and Veronica situation if your friends don't always like or get along with your significant other. They sure do not. And you may be in a Logan <laughs> and Veronica situation if this person has seen you through your lowest lows, your most traumatic moments of your life. That's a kind of a sweet one to end on. I think it's really funny that we were able to find so many bits of relatable content because the angle that we're going to look at this couple from today, I kind of expected it to be a little cinematic or a little sort of wild and fantastic. So I'm actually very shook that it is much more common than I gave it credit for. So that sort of leads us into how we're going to look at this couple today. Who are Logan and Veronica? Who are they? How can we sort of classify them in our lexicon of love? Oh, oh shit. Okay. <laughs> Am I a songwriter? Yeah. Lexicon of love. Okay. Um, we've defined a lot of terms on the show for our purposes of understanding ourselves through TV relationships. And mm-hmm. I think it's time we add to that list. This week, we're taking a look at Logan and Veronica as each other's epic loves. Uh, to just go right ahead and steal from our favorite broody rich boy, as he describes it in his iconic Alternaprom speech. So what are you like now? You know, tortured. Ever since I had my heart broke. Hannah really did do a number on you, huh? Come on, you know, I'm not talking about Hannah. I thought our story was epic, you know? You and me. Epic how? Spanning years and continents, lives ruined, bloodshed, epic. But summer's almost here. We won't see each other at all. Do you remember the time? I actually want to say this because it should be in there. You know what I'm going to say? Oh, absolutely. Go. Please, please. Do you remember the time that we once went, I think, three months? Well, it might have been less than that. But we went quite a long streak of Venmo memos Mm -hmm. just reciting the dialogue of this scene. Like, we wouldn't ever say what the actual Venmo was for. We would just be like, alone again, naturally. Like, it was just too good. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah, Uh, that Hannah really did a number on you, huh? (laughs) Like, five bucks. (laughs) I think... True to its name, uh, epic love involves a lot of story. This isn't somebody that you met on an app and you just started dating and then you met each other's friends. And now you post a lot about the HelloFresh meals you're making together (laughs) and captioning them, our latest adventure. Like that's, that's not quote epic love, maybe love. Mm -hmm. I believe that those people are in love. But I mean, to quote you, to you, as you so aptly put it, that's nice. <laughs> you never want <laughs> the to biggest nice insult <laughs> in my book. <laughs> I think epic love involves some sort of stakes that either you've experienced in the getting together, the being together, the staying together, 
or they've seen you through some sort of high stakes situation. And what's funny to me about the Logan speech is that he kind of touches on something that I always want to make sure that we're not doing on this podcast, which mm-hmm. that uh, this podcast that makes direct parallels from our real life to the lives of teenage private eyes and teenage vampires and teenage Orange County residents, um, <laughs> teenage vampire slayers, um, uh, yes. is that he kind of glamorizes epic love with the lives ruined bloodshed and you even see her push back on it a bit of like does it have to be that hard and it it doesn't have to be love does not have to be that hard epic love doesn't have to be that hard it probably shouldn't be that hard and Mm -hmm. i don't think we should glamorize the dark twisted rich boys with daddy issues and hope that this boy will have a fantastic redemption arc and eventually treat us the way we need to be treated Mm -hmm. But I think love can be epic while still being healthy. And I certainly don't think love has to be easy to be good or to be healthy. I just think that epic love doesn't just, quote, sort of happen. It's it's a situation where you have to fight for it in some way or grow into it in some way. And I yeah. think that that can take time, which is why of Logan's definition, I really ship spanning years and continents because I believe, I believe that good things take time. I just don't really know about lives ruined bloodshed. You know, that one. <laughs> we could that ideally do without that. <laughs> yeah. You can put this in or not because we might want to save it for when you put it. But when I was reading, I was reading through your notes. Like, what did she have to say? I tell you, I bust out laughing at one point because of the way you wrote this note. You were like, yeah, I think that some of what they have to go through is that Logan is accused of murder twice. <laughs> And I died because I was like, yeah, that's not ideal. Like, it's not really what I'm looking for on Bumble. Okay. I think everything you said was so good. I think you're right. Because Epic Love, you definitely don't want it to ruin your life. Uh, We're here to enhance our lives with love. Put that on a bumper sticker. Mm -hmm. But I agree with you. I think for our purposes of sort of dissecting things today... Logan does a lot of the heavy lifting in this definition for us. Uh, Epic loves aren't always as cinematic and literally life and death as Veronica and Logan's T-God. But I do think they're generally riddled with quite a bit of lives ruined bloodshed and spanning years and continents to Mm -hmm. quote our favorite boy. So I feel like the essential tenet of an epic love is that it's one of the ones that don't come easy, like you said. And Mm -hmm. honestly, part of how I see them often in film and TV is through contrast. I think to best right. understand them, there's usually a comparison to an easy love that we feel like rationally should be the choice. But just mm. uh, be, it just isn't because you can't tell your heart who to love. Right. I mean, I think we could do a whole episode on this, right? Enter Piz. Enter Scott Foley on Scandal. Enter my favorite example, Patrick Dempsey in Sweet Home Alabama. Mm-hmm. There are so many. Uh, it's all over. But sometimes your heart chooses a more fraught path in pursuit of passion and romance and fulfillment, which, again, I agree with you, I think can be good or bad depending on the case and the circumstances. Right, right. And I think I was reading this and like, I like to be so, you know, give good mom friend advice. And (laughs) I, you know, would probably 1000% tell my friend to pick Piz or Patrick Mm -hmm. Dempsey but then I think about how strongly I relate to the Max Medina storyline in Gilmore Girls. And I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. I literally did it. I literally didn't pick the logical option. So how can I dissuade people from, quote, epic love 
and you know just call that drama when when it is something that to me did not feel dramatic at the time it just felt so mm-hmm. logical it felt not logical it felt like a need i yeah. actually could not pick the logical choice. i kind of think like, the key is just knowing yourself i think with mm-hmm. this particular issue there's no blanket answer and there's no blanket bit of advice we can give to people it's just right. like are you the type of person or in this exact moment with your given circumstances are you the type of person who wants and can handle that or are you not and there's no wrong answer i think you just have to always be shifting and adjusting that answer totally which is wild okay this is gonna be my favorite part so because this show in its entirety has spanned (laughs) years uh it's been i mean on and off the air for the better part of almost 20 years now which sounds Mm -hmm. insane to say so i want to give just a brief relationship timeline of logan and veronica so Mm -hmm. to start quite pithily they used to be friends a long time ago (laughs) by which we of course mean that we come to learn through flashbacks and amanda seyfried's wonderful arc in the first season that they were part of this like fab four with mm-hmm. Duncan and Lily, Logan was dating Lily, RIP, Veronica was dating Duncan, mm-hmm. bye. And I just think we get this sense uh, that they, you know, used to be friends, but they weren't necessarily super close. Then when we first meet Logan in the pilot, Veronica in her amazing voiceover describes him as their school's obligatory psychotic jackass, <laughs> which does not mince any words. No love lost between the two. In that mm-hmm. same episode, she frames him with a bong, I'm sorry, a cock bong in his locker, Mm -hmm. and he smashes in her headlights. So things are off to a great start. Uh, Then later in the season, Logan hires V to find his mom, our favorite enemies forced to work together storyline. I love it. A Mm -hmm. classic, but also classic um, in a redemption arc. And a classic on your path, in, in even in our non-fictional lives, of falling for someone is is finally seeing them as emotionally vulnerable. He literally <laughs> cries. He cries. And that was pivotal in them having a connection. I'll speak on it a bit later, but a classic. In her arms, he cries. It's so cute. Oh, yeah. Then we have my favorite TV kiss of all time. Oh, my God. We'll talk about it a lot, but let's let's just actually, we can't even proceed. Do not pass go until we discuss this kiss. I need to talk about i have watched this kiss in isolation a lot because of the Mm -hmm. nature of this job and because it's one of your favorite kisses and Mm -hmm. now my entire like instagram feed is couples from tv shows and occasionally like i will just pause and i'll watch this first kiss and the nick and jess Mm -hmm. first kiss and the mindy danny first kiss just to you know be reminded of 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 the craft and (laughs) i have to say i have not watched this episode in its entirety in years and so mm-hmm. i had did not know what preceded this scene i just knew what happened on the balcony of this hotel or motel and mm-hmm. usually the first big kiss in the show there's some tracking you know you you see a build up to this moment and how they got there and in this show she she comes out and she kisses him first, right? And then we have a uh-huh. classic, a grab back, make out, song swells. Oh my god! Beautiful, like you know, they 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 must have rigged a fucking camera to do like an aerial. It's shot. like sweeping. It's beautiful. It's, it's beautiful. It's probably the most expensive shot in the entire first season. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 
so to play to be uh, so let's get into actor brain for a moment okay so Please. to play an actor for a second to track okay yeah. what has just happened on the other side of this door to come out mm. onto the balcony to see him and to need to kiss him what was the last thing he said to her and it almost like shocked me that this was the scene going into it i was like are we gonna cut away and come back but no the last thing said to her was by this you know f undercover cop ben jonathan taylor thomas horrible man (laughs) he goes he's he's like convincing her to go to this kid's house who's accused of planting a bomb and he says the last thing said to her before one of the greatest tv kisses of all time is he loves talking about his ancient weapon collection (laughs) (laughs) it's so unsexy but then also to play devil's advocate if you go back two more lines he says something like he likes you, Veronica. And then she goes, likes me? Likes me, likes me? So the mood is set. <laughs> the mood is set. She's thinking about how that she is desired. About love. All right. Yeah. To be okay. clear, we're not talking about Logan at all. We're talking about Theo Rossi from Sons yeah. of Anarchy. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the way you're analyzing it because <laughs> I actually think the way you're looking at it is absolutely how it tracks because I think Veronica especially at that point in season one is so unused to people helping her and in so many ways we see her reject people's help but I think having just been rescued from a potentially life-threatening mm. situation by Logan of all people right she is so caught off guard that we get to see a genuine response nothing guarded nothing planned so I think that's where that first little kiss comes from is she is just so shook to have had someone take care of her and for that to be Logan of all people. And then, of course, she tries to flee, which is her classic MO, but he pulls her back. Right. So I think it really is epic. It totally is epic. And that does track for her, like, emotionally. I just, it's like in the It's not sexy at all. Episode, it is not a sexy transition. Oh, God. Back on track. Then they start secret dating, which is mm. super fucking hot. Super hot. I worry about getting older, not because of crow's feet, not because of losing my fertility. Um, I <laughs> fear about getting older because I feel like the opportunities to secret date are are slimming as I get older and more mature. It at this point mm-hmm. feels unlikely, but it is absolutely a dream of mine. Oh God! I mean, truly, that scene where they're kissing in the bathroom, and uh, I mean, a boy in the girl's bathroom—it's just so wrong. It's right. Oh my God! It's so hot. And what really is the most hot to me about this, to actually play Daisy May Sunshine about it, is the culmination when they're revealed at the sad, pitiful surprise party yes. that Aaron mm-hmm. barf me uh, throws for him, and Dick tries to make a joke, calling. He's like, "What is this? Some reality show called My Skank?" And I'm pretending every time I say a quote, by the way, like I don't actually know what it is and I'm off book for the whole series. Right. Um, <laughs> so he tries to make that joke and Logan just levels him. He just goes, leave Dick. Or he goes like, goodbye, Dick. And he says very loudly and publicly that if anyone has a problem with his girlfriend, Friend. they're dead to him. Mm-hmm. It's very bold of a 17 year old man. Yeah, I will say this of Logan, despite all of his... Um, other flaws murder trials right right um he (laughs) owns his feelings for veronica and a lot of guys can't do that i know he says i love you first okay but we're getting ahead of ourselves uh then beginning of season two oh everything goes to hell in a handbasket because his dad tried to kill her you know whatever whatever (laughs) all this stuff happens he's accused of murder beginning of season two we see that they broke up over a summer Mm. but then we get a nice year 
of banter. Season yes. two banter. There aren't a ton of Logan and Veronica scenes, but when we get them, ooh, they're money. Um, I don't <laughs> think it would be an epic love story without time apart. I think that's a requirement of epic love for me. Let, let me check the dictionary. Oh, in fact, oh, it, yes. is. it is. Check. There. And then we have the Alterna prom. Mm, mm-hmm. Which is, of course, where the speech is. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, you know, I love a man who understands the power of words of affirmation. This is also, to use our own vocab term, one of my all-time favorite monologues. Yes. Uh, if you're just tuning in, that's a love monologue. Uh, I would also, also be so remiss not to mention my favorite moment uh, when she walks in to the Alterna prom. And he's, like, greeting everybody, but she's the last one. And she just kind of makes some joke and blows past him. And he looks her over and then looks away and blows out this little breath, like, holy smokes. And it is the cutest thing I've ever seen in my life. Like, he's physically shook by how beautiful she is. And I'll never recover. Yeah. So then at the end of season two, they're reunited by trauma. Classic. And they start dating in college. They're on and off again in college. A lot of their trust issues come up. They end the series off, but hopeful. So you think it ends hopeful because he clearly still has feelings for her. So you, as someone who didn't know this show was going to be canceled, did not feel like the relationship was over at the end of season three? Correct. I actually did know it was being canceled, but I still felt like I had some room in my heart to know that they would get back together. Mm. It's not even because of this. So in the words of uh, Parker, a.k.a. Julie Gonzalo, she says to Logan, nothing says you're over your ex-girlfriend like beating up her new boyfriend. Right. And, I mean, Logan really takes issue to that sex tape, which, you know, yeah, as you should. But mm. it's not even that. There's this one moment <laughs> in, I think it's the last scene between the two of them, when he beats up Goria Sorokin or whatever in the cafeteria mm-hmm. it, who is like the guy who's in charge of the castle and that would have been right. a whole season four storyline that they never got to it's this weird it's just like a look between them um but the guy about. you know what I'm talking about the guy says to Logan like you're gonna die man and Logan says like yeah someday and then he looks at Veronica and they're both just kind of like weirdly giddy and like mm-hmm. light about it and mm-hmm. it just feels like this very strong moment of connection where I'm like Okay, something's going on here. <laughs> yeah, and they also parallel the pilot in in like make him apologize, and she's like, "I don't want oh my apology," <gasps> which is what she says to Weevil about Logan in the pilot. Did I just name something you hadn't? I've never <laughs> ever noticed that. Oh, oh my god, I love that. <gasps> yeah. I love that. I think it speaks very well to his like redemption arc. Not that he's perfect, because I really, really don't ship anyone ending up with people who, reasons who are with their randomly fists. making out people. Yes, yes. I said making out with people. I do ship that. I, I meant being out <laughs> with people. I also think going back to our the little thing we touched on of like, it depends who you are as a person. I think in this moment, we see that Veronica as a person, she is tickled by it. Yeah, like you, you yeah. use the word giddy is like, it does mean something to her that she does yeah. that. And I think that's a different type of person than somebody who really can't have that drama in their life. But I'm sure Mm -hmm. we'll get into this more later. Yeah. And then they're reunited in the movie, a feature Mm -hmm. film released in cinemas after seven years. And there is hot, hot hot sex. sex. They are, Mm -hmm. as you say, all in. All in. Kristen Bell's sex acting cannot be (laughs) understated. She has this very specific, like... (laughs) <laughs> like you're entering me acting and that, I, mean, I, I really feel like that's 
that's how you that's how you can distinguish you know those who work with craft and those who don't is if you <laughs> really get into your uh you're entering the acting and yeah so- it was as you say a very clear like wow it's been inserted thought yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man so that's really hot and then um, in season four, which just came out on Hulu a year or two ago, uh, we see a lot of Logan's emotional growth. V has some mm-hmm. resistance to it. And then that's it. That's all that happens. The show ends. Just the kidding. The show ends with them getting um, married. Brief spoilers, but we don't really need it. They do get married. That's it. Nothing happens. Um no, Logan dies, and it's the most tragic thing I've ever seen. And I could talk about it for episodes and episodes, yeah. so I don't actually even need to get into it, but we yeah. will I think we will at some point have to do an episode on female heroines and the idea of martyrdom and, yeah. and who you end up with and how to end up with someone and how you can be a strong woman with autonomy and have a partner I, it's just it's worth its own Ugh, whole episode I agree um, so just know everyone that that's coming and we're not ignoring this thing well we're kind of ignoring it today yeah uh, but it's, it's temporary not- self care so for our purposes today it ends with their courthouse wedding a uh, thousand percent season four <laughs> Logan is what really seals the deal for me to be honest he's finally able to become what he has always wanted to be for her but couldn't yeah. which is that stable steadfast protective support system i think he always wanted to be that in control he just had so much shit to work through and so much anger and trauma and all of this that it took him a while to get there well and it's so good even i mean this is like part of to both their growth and to like the tumultuous nature of an epic relationship but even in season four he's all in therapy and he's on the up and up and he calls her out for trying to push him into regressing yeah there's a scene where she's where she like tries to provoke him to get like angry or violent Mm -hmm. and he's like what do you want me to do do you want me to like punch this cabinet and he just sort of calls her on it i think it's great so that's the gist of uh, a long sort of as as it were years spanning relationship let's start to talk about the ways in which they are epic let's start with this concept Mm -hmm. of spanning years and continents like megan you were saying so let's start talking history let's talk about the Mm -hmm. fact that they started as friends in their youth and what that experience does for them yeah i i do think part of what makes a love epic is is time and the fact that you're seeing somebody through growth or change so i think knowing someone from your childhood or your roots or even in a different phase in your life can alter the stakes of a relationship like automatically i think it gives it more stake i think really highly of the people who knew me and loved me as a brunette those friendships are higher stakes those friendships are epic oh my god <laughs> i've known you through three hair colors i you truly have and that's why you, that's why our love story is epic. <laughs> <laughs> our love story is epic um i agree that our love story is epic and i also agree with what you said i think having seen them be part of this sort of like fab four with Lily and Duncan. We know they had a lot of shared experiences in their youth. And I'm not really sure, though, out of that group that they were all that close. You know, Mm. there is one scene that's very fun in the episode with all of the homecoming flashbacks in season one, um, where you see them in the limo and they're making that video and whatever. Logan reminisces about seeing Veronica for the first time. And she's like, I was in my soccer uniform. And he's like, well, you were pretty hot rocking those knee highs. 
And it's very cute. It's a very cute moment uh, early on for them. But I think ultimately that time just gave them a foundation of having known each other in their youths. And ultimately what I think is most significant about that is that it gave them the chance to re-meet each other as who they had become after Lily's death. I think they both had to subvert the expectations of the person that they used to know and get to know each other for who they are now, having been sort of forged and strengthened and just all around affected by trauma and by time. Right, right. And I I also think, speaking to who you have become versus who you were, I think there's also something about shared history that allows you the freedom to be the truest version of yourself and know that the person that has seen you through it will be able to identify probably more accurately and clearly what is bullshit and what is a true form of yourself. And, and, mm-hmm. and, and I, you know, Logan sees her in this soccer playing, also long. Imagine Veronica playing soccer. Imagine the Veronica I know. the series well, playing soccer. Okay, long-haired, bad wig Veronica I in know. season one is like a different girl. And so Logan saw, knew her as that, who she wasn't really. And, and then Logan sees her kind of in her element becoming this badass teenage private eye Mm -hmm. and so he sees her in her i think what we all know as an audience is her truest form and i think that's what's so special about logan is that in the uh almost decade in between them seeing each other and not seeing each other she's become this kind of like high-powered lawyer or you know she's like about to take this adult job as like a real lawyer and she's become this different version of herself but he knows her in her truest form and knows who she really is. And I think that there in there is something about epic romances where epic love sees and embraces the quote messier side of you, which I think is often who we were before we were more polished and evolved into, Mm -hmm. you know, therapy attending college educated, practically career minded people that we turn into around 20 uh maybe uh is is that they see they they know us at our roots and we see this in sweet home alabama too like uh, you know the hometown guy knows her as Mm -hmm. the out that that's the entire that's literally the entire theme of sweet home alabama is like this guy who knows her for who she was in alabama versus new york oh my god i like the sweet home alabama through line um, I like the way that you sort of segued into their time as adults then. So, yeah, uh, not only do they have this shared history, they also then spend a significant amount of time apart. They spend mm-hmm. the better part of a decade completely out of touch in between yeah. season three and the movie. And I'm, uh, for one, like, I cannot imagine how the Logan and Veronica that I saw at the end of the original series even managed to stay apart for that long what a feat you know i think we have some context clues i think knowing that she transferred from hearst to stanford which is mentioned like briefly in one of the jamie lee curtis scenes in the movie it's Mm -hmm. possible that veronica was taking the route that she often does of running and trying to find a clean break right um i think that's her mo i feel like she's also just very briefly to get into this largely affected by um having an absent mother with substance abuse issues i think she Mm -hmm. treats herself like an addict knowing that that's sort of in her blood which is really interesting Mm -hmm. so i think she goes through this clean break and then they even mention that she wasn't with piz that entire time they just reconnected like a year before the movie Mm -hmm. so it's possible that she just had to kind of find herself and obviously he did too i mean he literally joined the navy which at first (laughs) i thought was a little out of left field uh, when he shows up and she has that like, oh, my God, you should only wear, you should this, only wear this ever. 
But then uh, it's, it's exactly what you said. Actually, this is such a good connection to your point of knowing the true self and knowing the messier. Because when she finally changes out of her like lawyer suits and puts on the leather jacket yes. and that bag we've seen a million times, he says to her, you should only you wear, this, only wear ever. this ever. And it's so good. It's it's just a, hey, I know you. Yeah. Um, so I feel like it's a really coming back to Logan joining the Navy. It's a really good way to sort of channel all his aggression and find purpose. Mm-hmm. Probably it's, it's a good job for him yeah um so i think that time probably did them a lot of good and allowed them both to grow up and work through some of their own traumas that kept them apart in earlier seasons however it is really interesting the sort of addict themes like i was saying that they use in this reunion even down to her voiceover and the way she refers to her old life but also one of my favorite rico colantoni moments Mm -hmm. uh is when she shows up and surprises her dad and he thinks she's back for the reunion and she doesn't even say anything he just looks at her and he goes no Logan (laughs) and it is so good and so bad and he's just so he's not even like disappointed he just is like ugh this but there Mm -hmm. is this really strong sense that the two of them are like magnets just drawn to each other across the globe through time and space they're just these kindred spirits bound to find each other right I don't think I could ship this couple at all without the time apart and mm-hmm. you know i don't know how you'll take this but i really hate their relationship in season three it i is, take it fine you're right they're not healthy it, it is everything about relationships that gives me anxiety it, it is staying with a high school boyfriend for longer than you should it is mm-hmm. wanting to change someone who's unwilling to change it is trying to break down the walls of somebody who doesn't want them broken down it is friends who try to stay friends when they're clearly aren't ready to be it's not giving her the autonomy to do what she wants and be who she wants to be so to me it is to me i actually kind of a little bit disagree like i think it absolutely makes sense that it took them nine years to come back together because Mm. i i think it had gotten that toxic and even in the little smile moment that um, we see in the cafeteria in the last <laughs> in the last episode. Even in that smile, I don't I think they also understood that there needed to be so much change if this was ever going to work, even if it wasn't super conscious. I think yeah. somewhat unconsciously they they know that. And I think the end of season three is a culmination of like all of their undealt trauma and all of their communication issues coming to a head and neither of them having the tools or the space or the perspective to be able to deal with it. And honestly, I think a lot of like high school or college couples who identify as like quote epic probably end up this way. They probably, you know, have that season three breakup where it's like we can take a tough but survivable amount of pain now or an unbearable amount of pain later on that is a quote that i feel like we should um, should be in our vernacular a bit more it should be it's a painful but kind of really logical way to think about tough breakups so in a twisted way i kind of like love that for many years this is what they left us with is that like the reality of epic romances is that unless you deal with your own shit, like all of the shit will probably eventually come to a head. Like that's the reality. That's the non-fictional world of quote epic romances. I think the only way that it gets better for them on the show and for us in our own lives is, is work. And I think that's personal, in my opinion, separate work. And it's time yeah. and space. And I so think you're so right. I like spanning, spanning years and continents. <laughs> Uh, So speaking of pain, like you just were, I think that transitions us really well into one of our other sort of 
dictionary definitions. Thank you, Mr. Eccles. Uh, which is lives ruined and blood shed. So, <laughs> woo, no big deal. Um, Logan and Veronica certainly have a ton of shared trauma, these poor babies and loss. Um, in what ways do you think this bond, like, brings them together? What ways does it tear them apart? You know, I we, like, you hear the phrase trauma bonding. Uh, I don't right. know that that's always a good thing, but obviously sometimes people who've been through you've been through can help you. So what do you think? Uh, I think it takes a while for them to be united by these things. I think at the beginning they they do still hate each other even at the, in, in the pilot after L- lily's already died they haven't bonded yet they have not bonded and to second that point i think um he it's different obviously and and well she's not culpable for any of those things either but like he sort of if you look at the domino effect leading up to her rape he sort of plays a fairly big mm-hmm. part in that too mm-hmm. sort of leading the like pitchfork gang against her and then doing the whole thing with the body shots like all things lead to another like they have every reason not to trust each other so i think you're right initially it pretty clearly tears them apart he becomes her full arch nemesis she introduces him as we said as the obligatory psychotic jackass um on when i was uh when we were you know youths the fan fiction community would sometimes just shorten that to opj just so you know. <laughs> I love that inside scoop. Thank you so much. <laughs> You're welcome. Just so you know, insiders will know. Uh, mm-hmm. So, I mean, literally one of their first interactions that we see is him bashing in her headlights with a crowbar, which he later lovingly refers to as foreplay. Uh-huh. Um, so I'm really not doing a good job selling him as a romantic suitor right now at all. But mm-hmm. I do think that when he hires her to find his mom, that's obviously a huge turning point for them. Uh, she knows exactly what it's like to have an absent and or substance dependent mother. Which, like, they don't so get into Lynn Eccles as an addict, but he definitely makes comments about, like, no, if she were to do it, it would be, like, sleeping pills and Chardonnay. Like, there's definitely hints there. So I think at least she kind of understands that grief and they have this shared sense of loss that really serves and brings them together. Yeah, I think that's the pivotal moment is when they start talking about his mom and she connects it to her mom. I mean... I think it's a turning point in any relationship. I really take pride in being able to break down a deflective man's tough exterior and get them to open up to me about their parents. <laughs> uh, it is a pivotal moment for me in any of my romantic relationships, and which is probably sick and something I should take a look at. And in fact, <laughs> I am taking a look at in therapy. But I really do think to him, him crying to her about his mom is the turning point in a both for us as audience men watchers and uh, for Veronica it is the point that humanizes him and B it kind of forever endows them to each other because he she's probably the only one that he's expressing feelings to like this yeah and, and that they have this connection over lost mothers yeah oh man you're so right I didn't and even I've, think about that, that, like, who else does he have to talk to? It's like Veronica or a bottle of Jack, and that's it. Right. So in that way, I know it's it was pithy of me earlier to say trauma bonding, mm-hmm. but in that way, that is sort of an indelible bond, you know? Yeah. In other ways, obviously, in, like, cinematic, this is a TV show ways, the revelation mm-hmm. that Aaron Eccles, Logan's father, a.k.a. Harry Hamlin, who is now forever the scariest person to me in the history of life, <laughs> really? um, is Lily's killer. And was sleeping with her is a tricky one because on the one hand, it definitely gives them a common enemy. We see them uh, anti-Aaron quite a bit in season two. On the other hand, it certainly can't be easy for Logan to come to terms with the fact that his own father 
already abusive towards him, mm. tried to kill his current girlfriend, Veronica, and succeeded in killing his first, Lily. I think ultimately his process of dealing with this new information and processing his own trauma is part of what tears them apart at the beginning of season two. Right. Because how could any teenager take that on with a partner? Yeah. <laughs> you know? And I think it's funny. I think if the show was rewritten today – we would see Logan in more therapy because I think mm-hmm. TV shows have gotten really good at making therapy more cinematic and and also standing therapy. We see this in normal people. Um, we're seeing, you know, in treatment is coming back to HBO. Anyways, Aww. I think if it was remade today, Logan's therapy would be a big part of season two, or at least and he may yeah. not be receptive to it. So yes, I don't think Veronica ever could have helped him through this. Like, even though she's wonderful and loves him, she's also 17. But I think a, part of the reason trauma bonding happens without being a psychologist and, and really understanding the science behind it is he there is this benefit that he never has to explain the situation to her. Mm-hmm. It's never like, babe, sit down. We have to have a talk. I have to talk to you about my murderous, cheating father. You know, and how like he slept she... with my girlfriend. <laughs> right, yeah. right. And she she was there. She understands it. He doesn't have to ha- go, yeah. you know, have this big moment with her. Right. You're right, though. It, there is something so powerful to the fact that he never has to put into words or try to convey his pain or whatever happened because she was in it with him. She was right there with him. And of course, it's different for her, but she's probably the person who would most understand it out of anybody. Right. Right. And even so, in like, and I think what's, I guess, noble on Veronica's part is we really do see her try. We really do try to see her try to sit through this with him and give him space and give him time. And and she can't. And that's partially because she's so young, but also because I think you have to be really strong and have dealt with all of your own shit first to be able to go through that with somebody. I think I think that is a very adult thing that I don't even know that I would be ready for. Yeah, um, and I feel I feel very evolved, but again, like so, I like that in the beginning of season two they are not together, and I think that it is natural and probably healthy that they took time apart after this huge trauma on his in his life. I think you are a thousand percent right, and still the thirteen year old in me needs to let you know that Duncan is boring, <laughs> and I hate him. <laughs> you know what Duncan is nice, except that a plot point. I forgot about is that Duncan is the one that has Aaron murdered. Yeah. He calls he the hit. The call. He calls the hit. So, yes, I agree with you. I think it's absolutely essential that they take this time apart to process these traumas. And then, <laughs> because when it rains, it pours in Neptune. Uh, when they get back together after he saves her from Cassidy, a.k.a. Beaver, again, trauma. Like, a trauma that we barely have time to scratch the surface on, by the way. Like, we could keep talking about that. Um <laughs> I think once they get back together for season three, there's issues on both sides for sure. But somewhat more significantly, I think the issues are hers as compared to the way it was in the summer. Um, I think, yes, Logan has a reputation, but he really is so devoted to her or he at least tries Mm. to be in season three. And I think it's her own trauma and trust issues that really prevent her from opening up to him. Um, I think it's probably no coincidence that her issues really manifest while she's working on the Hearst rape case because I feel like – she never really processes her own rape at Shelley Pomeroy's totally. party in season one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Logan starts to help her with it in in season one. And he wants to talk to her about it. And he says, I hate that I hurt you and all I want to do is protect you. First of all, a dagger to my heart. 
But then everything goes to hell with them. And then even there's all these new revelations in season two with Cassidy, which is, again, kind of random, but also devastating. And so I think she definitely feels like she has to sort of soldier through it alone. And it's really Mm. difficult for her to let him in and let him help. And that stands between them. And again, this comes back to like who she is and her trust issues. And, you know, Logan does. There's some shitty things Logan does in season three as well we're like i mean yeah the whole mercer and him in mexico thing how they just like left that's shitty yeah and and in the way that like i just think they were in different pages in season three where like she wanted college to be this expansive experience and he was sort of still holding on to the past and and being kind of like you know overprotective has a line and 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 a line between being like this thing that like we want we want our people to care about us and want the best for us and taking away our autonomy and i do think that he crosses it so it's difficult on both sides but i think for me that comes back to like they don't have the skills and the language to work through the arguably one of the biggest traumas somebody can go through in their life like how could they have possibly and then the last thing I think in in uh, Lives Ruined Bloodshed <laughs> topic is that, and here we get into, I think that part of it is that Logan gets accused of murder twice. <laughs> it's <laughs> so, not great as far as track records go. No, and like, I think, you know, if I was Veronica's friend, I'd probably fall on Wallace's side of like, hey... <laughs> You know, Piz is the one without the drama, without the yeah. murder record. And, you know, he's he says something along the lines of, like, how long did it take you to say how high after Logan says job? Oh, my God. I and know. And I, I do think, though, part of why she does feel compelled to go back to him and help him out in we're talking about now the movie is yeah. because they have this shared history of trauma. And it's like, how could he go through this thing without me there almost? Um, and I think if it, the reverse happened and Veronica went through trauma on her in her side of the coast, like Logan would have come to her as well. I agree. And, and again, I think this comes to back to the endowment and, and the feeling that we're endowed with when somebody opens up to only, and opens up to us and only to us or someone who sees us through a particularly traumatic time is that we feel and whether or not this is correct or healthy or the science behind it. But I, I get the sense that we feel we're the only ones who could do it. We're the only yeah. ones who get them. And I really do think that she feels this way and thus need needs to go back to him for this. Like yeah. If we're, if we're talking acting, it couldn't just be a want. It's a need. It's she a need. To. Well, and I think you're spot on because if you think about it, okay, we were talking about how this show's important to me because I found it in my formative years. Think about mm-hmm. their formative years. It was Veronica and Logan and Lily and Duncan, both of whom are now gone. You know what I mean? So it's just the two of them. And all the things that have happened between them, I just can't imagine a world in which they don't feel beholden to each other after all these years. So that's the gist (laughs) of their uh, lives ruined and bloodshed spanning years and continents. Uh, Mm -hmm. As he says, you know, no one writes songs about the ones that come easy. So let's sort of try to get into our take on Epic Love. What works? What doesn't work? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like you should I feel like you should take it away on this one. Okay. Why? Because of my excellent music taste? Yes. <laughs> so Go if away. it were two thousand six and was that a Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban reference? It really was. Oh my take it away. Yeah. <laughs> it's really weird how we share a brain sometimes. Speaking of two thousand four, uh 
Yeah, right? Oh, my God, how funny. I think if it were – fast forward a couple years, 2006, when I found the show, mm-hmm. and I was in my bedroom watching YouTube fan videos for Logan and Veronica, as you do, I would really like to watch or make one for them set to Taylor Swift's The Way I Loved You. And I don't think that's accurate because I think that song actually came out in, like, 2008. But my point stands. Okay. Because that's some of the best description of their situation to me. You know, you've got the uh, screaming and fight and the kids sitting in the rain. 2 a.m. cursing my name, all this stuff vibes, which are admittedly not great. But then you've also got the, as she says, roller coaster kind of rush. And I never knew I could feel that much. So Thank you for speaking them so that I don't have to pay Taylor Swift for the use oh, of the shit. song. Oh, shit. Yeah, episode. you're welcome. <laughs> so it is a double-edged sword. I think... As compared to sort of, quote unquote, easy relationships, if there is such a thing, I think these epic loves certainly come with their share of heavy lifting, but they also cause you to feel and to experience life so vividly, which at the end of the day is, I really think, what a lot of us are looking for. Now, do I think it's healthy to date someone who reasons with his fists and who purposefully wrecks a police car to get arrested and fight your almost rapist? Definitely not. Uh, But I do think that seems super hot and I should probably talk to someone about that. But (laughs) I do think it's a noble pursuit to be with someone who cares about you that much. Mm. So it does make me wonder about the real life application of epic love. You know, can we find the same depths of passion without enduring quite the same level of life and death stakes? I think so. But you got to watch for it. Yeah. Or the level of pain. Right. And I mean, partly partially just I. I really do keep coming back to that scene of him and the party and like him forcing her to take the shots. And like, I, I, I do yeah. believe we should allow the space for people to grow and change. And I believe that that's true. That would be really hard for me to get past that you were at one point this person. Here's where we do have to bring up the fact that they are in high school. And sometimes in these conversations, it doesn't matter because what they're facing is so adult. But I do think the age does play a factor there. Yeah. So. It would be really hard for me to ever get past somebody that is quite so flawed and quite so dramatic. Um, But in my real life, like, I've had some dramatic, quote, like, epic turns with people I've loved or or been mutually in love with. Like, Mm -hmm. I've flown across the country at the last minute for someone. I've Ah. driven hours in the middle of the night for someone. I've knocked over bar stools mid-fight and ran out of a bar. I've screamed (laughs) and cried in the street. Like... And these are all separate people. I love that. (laughs) And with one of them, I remember telling a friend, I remember saying to her, like, I'll wait. I'll wait as long as I need to for him to come around because it's him. And in that time, I really believed it because I really just felt like he got me. And Mm -hmm. we did do heavy lifting for each other and talked about our trauma and challenged each other a lot. And he wasn't toxic in the way that Logan is in like the drama and the violence, but he did have a lot of unprocessed bullshit. And while we were never really like together together, he took up a lot of space in my head for a lot of time that Mm -hmm. did, I think, weigh me down. And yes, maybe it would have been epic to work through it, to go from oh my, like publicly fighting at a <laughs> rooftop party and to and screaming in the streets to being this great couple that really saw each other to our core. But A, we never got to a place where we were really on the same page enough to be able to have the conversation and do the work or whatever. But I also think for me... The drama and the pain of it eventually outweighed 
the story. Yeah. And my and my love my love for him. Like I loved him. And I think that's what you do have to be careful of in these sorts of relationships with high stakes and that have some amount of trauma bonding that don't come easy is that people can change and get better and the situation can change and get better, but it won't always. And we can't continue to glamorize it when the pain outweighs the love. Agreed. And we see that a lot in film and TV. Like, it's a really Mm -hmm. common trope. So I'm actually really glad we're talking about it. Obviously, a lot of us learn love from this trope. And so I don't want to entirely throw it out because there are some things that feel good and are yummy. And, and, you know, Mm -hmm. you want to feel life vividly. You want to feel all the highs and lows. But I think you have to really keep track of, like, are there more lows than highs? Or, like, how often am I going up and down? How exhausted am I from that effort? So actually, that leads us really nicely into our question. Do we ship it? You know, I think we can look at this in two ways. Do you think that, you know, Logan and Veronica made the right choices or ended up together for the right reasons? Do you ship them? And the second way, do you ship people having this type of epic person in their life? Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's so hard because... There are points where she and her family and friends refer to Logan as, like, an addiction. Like, she makes a comment about, like, do addicts go back to blah, 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 or, like... In In the movie, part of the the score is literally called Addict Theme. The the score, the song is called Addict Theme. There we go. And and they hit that theme maybe a little bit too hard in the movie. uh, (laughs) What's his face? Dick also has a line of like, I just wish Logan could quit you. (laughs) So they're they're hitting that a little hard on the head. But I I mean, fictionally and non-fictionally, I think that's so frustrating to watch people keep going back to the same person that brings so much drama to their lives. We see this all the time. And truly, the reason I am able to ship it is the Hulu season, is the season where we see him be more processed and we get more clarity of the fact that, like, ultimately she is somebody that does for better or for worse, does better with somebody epic than somebody nice. Mm-hmm. And and maybe that's not healthy, but like she's she's not. She's not. Yeah. And and but she's she's managed to make it work. And I think that that's and and how could she be healthy? Like, right? That's like the nature of her work is that there always will be some amount of of drama and pain because that's what she's chosen to do with her life is yeah find justice you know so i think she does need somebody that gets it and i think and because he's been able to grow into such a steadfast and a processed person i am able to ship it um for our non-fictional lives i <laughs> i i would my instinct is to be like no like if somebody be if right somebody, it's scary it's scary and it's and it's so so often it's not healthy and like I've gone through it and been like oh this is gonna be epic and then you know a year later I'm like oh my god I can't believe that I went through that but here's what I challenge that with is that I do think that most love stories probably are epic in some ways even if it's not a life and death way because I'm for sweet. most people yeah I mean for most people love isn't easy and I, I really do think it's an to bring back an everyday miracle. Sometimes I really think it's 
any sort of relationship, like a, a fun three night stand, a three year relationship, a lifelong marriage is an everyday miracle. The like the idea that two people happen to be in the right place at the right time and find each other and attractive are and are in a place to have a relationship, even if it's only for a few weeks to be able to connect in that way is kind of a miracle. And yeah. and I don't think it's always and I don't think that it's always easy. I think it's usually not, especially if you're not dealing with nice people, nice. but if you're dealing with nice, uh, nice, if you're dealing with autonomous, opinionated, evolved people with thoughts yeah. and feelings and fleshed out lives who are growing and changing and learning, and you're really in relation with another person who engages in the world and engages in the world with you, someone who is present and passionate and curious, there is eventually going to be conflict and there are going to be fights that make you want to storm out of your apartment and speeches about love that win you back and hot makeup sex and moments where you get lost in people's eyes and moments where you want to get up the courage to say the right thing and then you can't and the songs that come on the radio right in the moment that you need to hear them about love and moments where you make eyes across the room and connect with someone all of those cheesy cinematic things that we associate with quote like epic love if we're really being present and we're really paying attention and being human those things really do happen in our lives so Yes, we don't need to glamorize life and death stakes, lives ruined, bloodshed, epic love, but we can celebrate the little epic loves that happen in our lives. Yeah. Oh, my God. I think that is so well said. You know, you're right. I think that we often confuse like fighting and disagreeing, and we always think of fighting as unhealthy, but I just absolutely... Listen, absolutely should not be nonstop fighting. I think that is mm -hmm. completely a sign that something is not working. But mm -hmm. if you really are working through your own issues and embracing all of life's obstacles together, like you said, there will likely be at least a few disagreements. I mean, ideally mm -hmm. not like big old fights, but what are you going to do? Sometimes those happen because we're human, you know, as you do so. And I, I do think that disagreeing is healthy because I think obviously you do want to agree on some things, but you wouldn't be with this person if you didn't. You know, I think... If, to really go in and, like you said, live life to the fullest and be growing and be challenging yourself and everyone. Like, it's not going to be easy. There are no relationships, like you said, that come easy unless it is just kind of surface level, which is, again, sometimes what you need. So yeah. in terms of the show, I think I unequivocally ship Logan and Veronica. Also, mm -hmm. just because I'm biased. I have to say I'm biased. There's no other answer I could give just because yeah. – I grew up on this, but I also think that I do the work on myself. So I try to figure out, okay, what did I take from this that's good? And what did I take from this mm. that's bad? So that being said, this is not to say that I don't think they made any mistakes because I think they made a ton. I think they made more mistakes than they made right steps. But no matter how long it took them, I really do think they did put in the work in order to be their best selves, both for themselves and for each other. I mean, ironically, Logan really figured it out first, which who right. would have guessed that? You know, for all its faults, I think his arc and growth in season four, like you said, is so beautiful. And it's such a great representation of adulthood and moving past trauma. I think for all of her strengths, uh, Veronica has a much harder time with that. But I do love that they keep trying and they consistently want to be the best versions of themselves. So mm -hmm. for that reason, I'm on board. In terms of real life shipping it, my philosophy is like kind of the 
same and kind of the opposite. I ship it conditionally. I think mm. if you have a good relationship with yourself and your own mental health and how to process trauma, I say go for it because I trust your ability to gauge what is healthy and what is not. You know, obviously, if a relationship is so fraught in its epicness that it's bringing you nothing but pain, get your ass out. Mm. But if you find that it is epic and still enriching and passionate and exciting, like you said, then I am Twitterpated on your behalf, you know? Doe-eyed, tongue-tied, and dare I say Twitterpated. Because um, I think that's up to you. You know what I mean? I think, like Megan said, you got to know yourself and you – I said Megan like those are for everyone's – like you said <laughs> – you have to know yourself and you have to know the other person. And there is no blanket answer about this. But I think mm. you're right. Like, I, of course, we wouldn't be talking about this if there wasn't part of my heart that swelled when I see these big epic moments and I see him mm. looking at her across the party and all that stuff. Like, I wish that happiness and I wish that feeling of being so loved for everybody. So yeah. I think in general, it kind of falls down to one of those big overall life rules of like, hey, as long as you're not hurting anyone, including yourself, go for it. You know? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And if you're the type of girl that finds like a sheet pan of broccoli, like the most amazing thing someone can do for you, then like you're nice. And maybe this isn't the love for you. But for, uh, for us Veronica Mars identifying ones out there, we trust you to know if you can handle it or not. I agree. So it's kind of a choose your own adventure. I hope everyone I hope everyone feels epically loved. And I hope Mm. that you know when to call it when there is too much lives ruined and bloodshed. Ideally before there's any. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, Katie, amazing job hosting. Did I do it? Oh, my God. She did it. Oh, my God. It was so nice just to not relax, <sighs> but uh, to feel taken on this journey by you. Thank you so much. And You're I'm so welcome. So it was almost as if you were driving. Past. There's so many other lessons we can take from the show. And that's why I feel incomplete where I'm like, there's so much good stuff to learn from it um, across the board. But looking at it from a love point of view, what's excellent is that Rob Thomas wrote us some flawed ass characters. You know mm. what I mean? They're not perfect people and they do mess up a lot. And so I think for that reason they're a good tool from which to learn because we're not perfect people and we mess up a lot (laughs) wait should i read one of my favorite quotes from the show that was on my fanfiction.net page thousand percent that's how you have to send us out okay let me find it hold on (laughs) Uh, okay found it okay hold on i'm gonna do my best veronica too because it's it's a voiceover Mm -hmm. all right you ready it's this is from season three I think the episode is called Of Vice and Men. And it's the one where she's fighting with Logan, um, but she's investigating the rape case. And then she, like, gets her head shaved in the parking lot and he saves Mm -hmm. her and takes her back to her apartment. So what would Stan Marsh say in a situation like this? I think we all learned a valuable lesson about faith. You give it to the people you love. But the people who really deserve it are the ones who come through even when you don't love them enough. Mm -hmm. Ah, That's so good. Epic. <sighs> Epic. Well, all we need to know is, Katie, where can people find you online if they want to continue to hear your lovely voice and and listen in on your lovely thoughts? Oh, thank you. Online, you can find me on Instagram at Katie underscore Bud, B-U-D. 
uh, TikTok at Katie Butterwitz. Uh, I'm just not even going to spell that. You guys can find it in the bio. Um, or on Twitter. I think on Twitter I'm actually also at Katie Butterwitz. And the only reason I'm even bringing up my Twitter is because a couple weeks ago um, the actor who played <laughs> Sheriff Lamb liked one of my tweets. And I was like, oh, my God. I'm basically famous. And I it was me. Re- listening. I hope he's listening. Michael Muni, if you're here, it's me. Um, uh, you can find me at only make it 815. You can find the podcast at Talking Ship Podcast on Instagram and TikTok. We're working, okay? We're working to We're working uh, on it. The content. We're working on it on the content. And Katie, I feel that we cannot end this show without bringing up our favorite song i knew you were gonna do i knew are you ready i think this is how we have to go out all right all right yeah, three two one veronica, veronica mars they're watching you, you. Pa, pa, they see your every move girl <laughs> and then he goes uh so aptly says hollow notes veronica they wrote the song and now you're living it Uh, Again, thank you so much for hosting and I hope you all enjoy and go find your own epic loves. Thank you all for having me and happy birthday talking ship. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. Experience the empowering feeling of the Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now for April 1st. Get $750 cash towards the lease of our 2024 NX350 all-wheel drive. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Call 1-800-USA-LEXUS for important lease cash offer and pricing details. Restrictions apply. Not all customers will qualify. Offer available in the Lexus Eastern area and it's April 1st, 2024.